serving as the mayor of Braddock, a small borough near Pittsburgh, and one term as lieutenant governor. You're running for a seat that could decide the balance of power in Washington. What qualifies you to be a U.S. Senator? You have 60 seconds. Hi. Good night, everybody. This is Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit, and you know who that is. Uh, hello, good night, everybody. That's John Fetterman, and that's somebody who we've got to talk about this week. He's really at the top of all my thoughts for this week, and a lot of crazy things happen, but sometimes you'll have something that occurs that is so incredibly offensive, obnoxious, disgusting, that you lose the little bit of faith you may have in the American political system. And well, John Fetterman is it. And he's the Pennsylvania senator, if you don't know, who looks like Frankenstein. Now, when I say Frankenstein, I don't mean Dr. Frankenstein. I mean, actually, the monster. He's the one who suffered a massive stroke just two days before the Democratic Party last May. What's happened to him What's been done in his name, the lies, the grifting, the naked ambition to win a Senate seat is nothing short of shocking in American politics, which really says something because American politics are as far into the gutter as they could possibly be. Today, just a month after he was sworn into his six-year term, he lays in a bed in a dark room in a mental hospital at the Walter Reed Medical Center, suffering from severe depression. Medical staff surely were required to take his shoelaces and his belt when he checked in for fear that he'd harm himself. We're told that he will stay there for at least a few weeks, at least, I suspect, significantly longer. This all occurred just six days after he was hospitalized for dizzy spells and lightheadedness. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't know. He's only been in office for a few weeks. I don't know that he's even been there for a single Senate vote. I think he may have missed them all, or certainly the majority. His Senate seat right at the beginning, just days into his six-year term, it's empty. Now, a senior Fetterman aide stated that it's been difficult to differentiate between his stroke recovery and the depression, and the staffer said that it's sometimes unclear if he's not, and I'm quoting, not hearing you, or he is sort of crippled by his depression and social anxiety. Think how completely fucked up he must be that you can't even communicate with him. This guy's going to be one of, what, a hundred senators in the United States? They can't tell the difference of whether he's deep into his depression or whether he can't even hear you. When he hears voices, and this is why, the New York Times, the New York Times reports that they sound like the teacher in the Charlie Brown cartoons. Now, this is what this man as a, again, who is one of just a hundred senators in our great country, this is what he hears as he lays in the dark in a hospital for his severe depression. Producer, roll the tape. How on earth did we get here? How could this have happened? It's not like this was a healthy man who had a stroke while he was serving. 
all of these ailments, every last one of them existed before he won his election this past November, before he even won the primary last year. Every single ailment was kept from the voters. Every single one of them. This was completely and utterly avoidable. Let's start from the beginning if we can. After Fetterman had his stroke last May, doctors were required to install a pacemaker into him at the time, and the public was told by his campaign that the pacemaker was needed to control his irregular heartbeat. That's what they told us. And they told us that this surgery to implant the pacemaker, they told us with just five hours left to vote on primary night. So they waited until the end. They held it back to ensure that people would vote for him. Fetterman's Senate campaign released a very confusing statement. He would undergo surgery before the polls closed to install a pacemaker with a defibrillator following a stroke. According to one advisor, Fetterman's campaign only found out about the surgery on the morning of the primary and were told that he simply had an irregular heartbeat. Nothing more. It's not so bad, right? The statement that Fetterman's campaign released said the following, quote, it should be a short procedure that will help protect his heart and address the underlying cause of his stroke, atrial fibrillation, AFib, by regulating his heart and rhythm. That was an unsigned May 17 statement. Of course it was unsigned. Nobody wanted to be responsible for it. Now, this sentence, which campaign advisors said was approved by the hospital, raised some serious questions from cardiologists and the medical community, and it was revealed to be a lie. We quickly learned that pacemakers are not used to treat irregular heartbeats, that there had to be another heart ailment that the pacemaker was installed for, not an irregular heartbeat. That was a lie. Suddenly, Fetterman was the Democratic candidate for Senate. He won, and people were asking a lot of questions about the inconsistency uh, for the need for the pacemaker. It would take 17 days for Fetterman's campaign to explain the inconsistency. And then in early June of last year, they revealed another lie, this one by omission. Fetterman had a previously diagnosed, quote, decreased heart pump. In 2017, after he came in to, to the, see a doctor because his feet were swelling. When candidates run for office, obviously, they're required to discuss their medical issues, if there are any, because voters you know, clearly are allowed to know what they're voting for. This decreased heart pump was never disclosed. But making it even worse is that Fetterman, this part makes it crazy, Fetterman was a grown man. He was diagnosed with this very serious heart issue, knowing that it could cause a massive stroke and kill him. Knowing this. And he did nothing with this information. His own doctor wrote in a letter that was finally released to the public by Fetterman in an effort to calm down this massive concern that he was not physically able to handle the job of being a senator. And that Fetterman had bizarrely 
ignored his medical advice. I'm going to read some of it, but think how utterly bonkers it is that Fetterman was so desperate to continue running for the Senate seat that he believed that this letter was a net positive for him. Ready? Quote from the doctor. I had prescribed medications along with improved diet and exercise and asked him to follow up again in the following months, he said. Instead, I did not see him again until yesterday. John did not go to any doctor for five years and did not continue taking his medications, end quote. And the doctor revealed that the real reason the pacemaker was implanted in Fetterman was due to his decreased heart pump, a diseased heart pump. So the doctor called out Fetterman for lying to the public about the reason the pacemaker was implanted. And Fetterman was so desperate, he thought this was a good letter. Now, this is a grown man in his 50s. He had a real health scare. He had a diseased heart pump. Now, you get that kind of information, you're changing your life immediately, or at the very least, you're taking the medication that the doctor prescribes for you. This was a specialist. He wasn't going to a dentist for a heart issue. All he had to do was take the medication at the very least. He did nothing, did nothing, did not even take the medication. This is a guy who is going to be senator? And he doesn't have the brains to take heart medication for a diseased heart pump. And, and it gets even worse. Think about this. Think about this. He was married to a woman who knew that he had this very serious heart problem. And she never caused him to take a single day of medication in the five years since he was diagnosed. She never caused him to change his lifestyle as the doctor warned. Nothing. She did nothing. And I'm not going to blame her first, but I'm going to blame her second. But why should we be surprised at the time when you think about it? Fetterman's father, Carl, is a successful business owner. Think about this. Fetterman received a $54,000 a year allowance from his father until he was 49 years old. He was 52 at the time he won the Democratic primary last year. So for three years in his life, he was finally not getting over $1,000 a week in allowance. This is a guy that should be running for senator? When was the last time you got an allowance from your father? When you were 10? And what was it, a dollar a week? Fetterman and his wife, Giselle, she's a 40-year-old bisexual medical marijuana patient for some lingering childhood pain, she says. She's a former illegal immigrant from Brazil. They lived in a house they paid Fetterman's sister one single dollar for. One dollar. $54,000 a year allowance, no income, and one dollar for your home. These are the adults that you want to be senator, one of two senators from Pennsylvania? And this is when it starts to get really weird. You'd think that Giselle would be ashamed at her part in Fetterman nearly dying last May from the stroke. Let's be honest here. That's what we're here for. She's been married to the guy since 2008. He's had his heart pump diagnosis in like 2017. By then, they had three young kids together. So she had something invested in them, at the very least, you'd think. 
She was living completely off of Fetterman's father. Her husband was diagnosed with a serious, life-changing heart issue, which could kill him at any time unless he began the medication and changed his disgusting physical habits. Instead, she did nothing. She didn't require him to take his medication. She didn't even require him to go back to see the cardiologist. Instead, she was campaigning. There was zero criticism in the media about her negligence, her responsibility. Instead, the liberal media treated her like she was a hero. She and Fetterman were not criticized for hiding the heart ailment from the voters. They weren't criticized for lying about why he needed the pacemaker. They weren't criticized for his not having the implantation of the pacemaker until the end of the primary election day to ensure that voters wouldn't be too freaked out about his health. They didn't criticize her when she lied to the press over and over. She kept saying transparency. We're transparent, transparent. It's a lie. And keep in mind that she was lying even when they were coming clean about his previously hidden heart ailment and the reason for the pacemaker. First, we now know that he was suffering not only from his untreated diseased heart pump, okay? Because when they finally came clean about that, because they had to, but what they didn't reveal was that he also suffered from depression his entire life. Don't you think you want to know that your senator is constantly fucking depressed? I'm not depressed. I tell you if I was, this story might make me depressed. None of that was disclosed, even when they were coming clean. In an interview after they partially confessed, she claimed that he needs a month off so that he could come back as strong as ever, even though we all know now that he was in horrible shape and was never going to recover. Mr. Producer, roll the tape. I think he deserves a month of break to get back and come back as strong as ever because this is going to be a tough race and a really important race and I want him to be fully ready for it. So maybe in July? Maybe, I think so. Yeah, that's my hope. She is literally pushing this half-ted blob of shit across the finish line with her lies. And after doing all that they could to hide his medical conditions, She has the balls to not only claim that they have been transparent, but that this massive stroke is just a hiccup. A hiccup? A fucking hiccup? Mr. Producer, roll the tape. It's still a hiccup. I mean, families go through health crises. This is, our family is not unique in what we've gone through, only we've had to go through it very publicly. Another lie. She doesn't give a good goddamn about this man surviving any longer but to win the election. But the media did all they could to not only cover up for Fetterman, because as even he said, he was running for what he believed to be the tie-breaking vote in the Senate for the Democrats. He thought he was the 51st vote. That's what he kept on campaigning about. They needed the seats so badly. Fetterman was just collateral damage even to his wife. She'd be unplugging toilets if not for him. She'd be literally cleaning toilets if not for him. So the press, instead of ripping Giselle apart for lying to the public, for pushing her husband and not protecting him as a wife should, 
they turned her into some kind of fucking hero? Why? Everyone knew he wasn't finishing his term if he got elected. They needed Giselle, this ambitious criminal, to fill the seat. Now, here's what they allowed Giselle to say in an interview with the Washington Post after Fetterman's stroke when he vanished from campaigning. This is the worst. This, I could have a stroke just, just reading this. The article starts, The morning of May 13, the couple were getting into the car to head to a campaign event. Quote, I was paying attention and the corner of his mouth just dropped for one second, she says. Quote, his speech didn't change. His energy didn't change. Nothing else other than a drop for a second. And I just knew this wasn't a natural movement of the mouth, end quote. She insisted that he go to the nearest hospital in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He resisted. But once they arrived, doctors removed a clot from his brain and installed a pacemaker in his heart, which had been beating in atrial fibrillation. When the heart's top chambers are out of sync with the bottom chambers. By the way, that's a lie. That's not why they installed the, uh, the pacemaker. But again, she's lying to the press. Okay. And by the way, it's amazing. He resisted going to the hospital, but she overcame that. But he, would, he wouldn't take his medication for five fucking years. She somehow couldn't overcome that resistance. Now, four days later, after he wins the Democratic primary, it was Giselle, not John Fetterman, giving a victory speech. Now, this is what she said, quote, I now have one more thing I get to hold over him. I mean, I saved his life, right? She said in the speech, making light of what was later to be a near deadly stroke, quote, I will never let him live that down. She is claiming that she saved his life and overcame his refusal to go to the hospital. Again, when for five years, she didn't do shit when he was diagnosed with a diseased heart pump. For five years, she let this fester in this gigantic Uncle Fester. So while this eight-foot turnip was recovering from the stroke, Giselle made all of his speeches, all his appearances, and she loved the attention. Clearly, she loved it. And then she was feeling the pressure that her quasi-moto of a husband could barely speak. She came after the free press for daring to report on it. Anything to stop it. She needed this seat. In October of last year, just weeks before the general election, an NBC reporter named Dasha Burns, a reporter from the far-left news station, NBC, she had an interview with Fetterman at his home. And he admitted in the interview that he still struggled to understand what he hears and to speak clearly following the stroke in May. NBC agreed to a closed-caption interview with him. All of this was out there. These were his words. Now, Burns commented on his comprehension during an appearance on the network when they were promoting the interview. Quote, during some of these conversations, before the closed captioning was rolling, it wasn't clear that he could understand what we were saying. That's what Burns said. She simply accurately reported what she saw. That's what reporters do in a free country. I know, it's shocking, right? Giselle flipped out. And I mean flipped out. 
She thought that she was back in Brazil, back in a place without a free press, I guess. She demanded that Burns apologize. I'm not sure what for, but she demanded it. Quote, I would love to see an apology towards the disability community from her and from her network for the damage they have caused, Giselle Fetterman said. She said that the NBC interview may cause damage to those with disabilities. The interview. Why agree to it then? She's claiming that messages from disabled voters express their frustration. Like the guy agreed to this interview and it came across badly, so it's bad for the disabled community and they should kill it? Quote, if this happened in a school, if this was a child that was ableist, whatever the fuck that means, if this was a child that was ableist towards another child or teacher, there would have been issues stated. Giselle Fetterman, she loves that last name because that, that gives her some shine. That's what she said. Quote, there would have been new training done, she continued. On what fucking planet would there be new training for simply telling the truth? What is being done at the media after a reporter came out so openly ableist towards a person? I think shocked and appalled. But sadly, not surprised. I know there's still so much to do, but it would be great to see some accountability to actually see real change. That's what she said. What she means by accountability is she wanted this reporter fired. What else could it be? And what in the fresh hell is she even talking about? Dasha Burns simply reported what she saw. She's a liberal reporter. She just made the mistake of telling the truth. Naturally, the liberal press didn't turn on Giselle Fetterman for trying to squash the free press. They attacked Dasha Burns instead. There were calls for her to be fired. Rebecca Traster of New York Magazine tweeted that she had recently interviewed Fetterman and found that his comprehension is not at all impaired. He understands everything. It's just that he reads it, which requires extra time, I'd argue, and responds in real time. Journalist and podcast host Kara Swisher wrote on Twitter, Sorry to say, but I talked to John Fetterman for over an hour without stop or any aids, and this is just nonsense. Maybe this reporter is just bad at small talk. Molly Jong Fast, another journalist and podcast host, whatever the fuck that means, said she too recently interviewed Fetterman, and he understood everything I was saying, and he was funny. This is how utterly sick the far left is. They all knew Fetterman was half a vegetable, but they couldn't afford to lose that Senate seat. So they attacked a real reporter, not some idiot podcaster who's been in rehab for drugs or alcohol 10 times. And I'm going to let you figure out which one of those three that I just mentioned has been to rehab over and over. They just treated her like she was collateral damage. This reporter burns. All she did was tell the truth. Well, the debate between Fetterman and Oz finally occurred, and it, they made it just a few days before the election, because by then all the Democrats already had voted uh, with their early voting and their mail-ins. That's why the Fetterman campaign wouldn't let the debate go until right then. Everything had to be a lie. Everything had to hold back from the public about how bad his condition was because they needed to win the seat. Why else wait until just five days before and during the debate, it was just an, an, an unmitigated disaster. 
Hello, good night, everybody. He jumbled words. He didn't answer questions. He interrupted Oz's final statement. It wasn't just his speech. He was having difficulty understanding. It was excruciating to watch. He also refused to release his medical records. Now listen to this idiotic answer. Mr. Producer, roll the tape. I didn't hear you say you would release your full medical records. Why not? You have 30 seconds. No, uh, again, my Dr. L believes that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I'm standing. Gee, I wonder why you don't want to release your full medical records. I wonder why. And of course, naturally, Dasha Burns, the NBC reporter, was vindicated. None of the leftist podcasters and reporters apologized for their smears against her. None of them. And naturally, Oz lost to Fetterman. Oz was a horrible candidate for the Republicans, but Trump's idiot wife watched them on TV, and Trump therefore claimed that Oz was famous. And to Trump, that's all he cares about. Fame is all that matters, not substance, intelligence, understanding, nothing at all. So that's why he pushed this leftist Turkish dual citizen who lived in New Jersey instead of Pennsylvania. Trump is the great conservative, the leader of the MAGA idiots, and yet he pushed a leftist for this hugely important Senate seat, a leftist who supported sex change operations for children. And this was all just a few months ago when this election occurred. Now that Fetterman has been elected, suddenly the New York Times, the Washington Post, all of Fetterman's staff, they all admit that he suffered permanent brain damage. His people now admit that it was this hard campaigning from the summer into the, into the fall, after the stroke, that permanently caused the damage he's suffering from now. His own chief of staff told the New York Times recently about what Fetterman should have done after the stroke last May. Quote, what you're supposed to do is recover from this, is to do as little as possible, said Adam Gentleson, his chief of staff. Instead, Fetterman, quote, was forced to do as much as possible. He had to get back to the campaign trail. It's hard to claw that back. Forced? Forced? He made the decision to campaign, along with his crazy, illegal Brazilian Yoko Ono wife. And we're supposed to feel bad that he was required to campaign? They sacrificed this man. They sacrificed his life. They don't care if, if the truth is out. Now, the seat is theirs. And I don't believe that Fetterman will ever serve another day in office. He's a wreck. He's a plate of uh, spoiled vegetable lasagna. The press doesn't have to lie for him anymore. So we won't have to hear MSNBC's Katie Turd say on TV that Fetterman can be president someday. Can you imagine Katie Turd said that he could be president someday? Well, I can tell you this. He's going to have to learn to start wiping his own ass again, perhaps first, Katie Turd. And what's the law, by the way, if Fetterman can't complete his term? Gee, I wonder if the wife and the campaign didn't know that. And I'm glad you asked. In Pennsylvania, the governor appoints someone to fill the seat until the next regularly scheduled election, which in this case won't be until November of 2028. Can you guess who's going to be appointed when he can't fulfill his term, like in an hour? Well, you've got a far leftist governor in Pennsylvania who just won. He's going to appoint Giselle Barreto Fetterman, of course. 
Forget that she's never had a paying job in her life. She's a leftist activist. She's half of this far leftist couple who needed an allowance until her husband was 49 years old. Now, here's some of her activism. I just want you to know, because this is important. You want to know what she's done so far to deserve this important Senate seat. She launched the Positive Parking Signs Project, a local initiative installing signs around local communities with sayings like, quote, follow your dreams and more hugs needed. This is not a joke. I'm serious, people. I'm not, not joking here. She advocates for diversity and inclusion. She's bisexual. She smokes pot. She hates free speech. She's the perfect liberal senator for that dumpster fire of a state of Pennsylvania. And while her husband spiraled into a dark hole of depression over the last few weeks, you know, clearly coming to the realization that he couldn't do the job that he was elected for due to his physical and, and mental issues, Giselle, she was out campaigning for his job. She wasn't with him. She wasn't caring for him. She was giving interviews. And I'm sure these were important interviews because why would you leave a severely depressed stroke victim alone to wallow in his own misery. She needed to tell the public that she's training to become a volunteer fireman. That's her, quote, secret passion. Don't you know that, how wonderful that is? Don't you feel better knowing that Giselle Barretto Fetterman, her secret passion, is to become a volunteer fireman? Let me tell you something. Nobody's fucking secret passion is to become a volunteer fireman. Now, she's doing interviews about shopping at thrift stores, too, because that's important. She lets the press refer to her as senator, and she laughs about it. <laughs> Do you really think she cares about Fetterman? She couldn't let a day go by without doing meaningless interviews designed solely to advance her personal brand so she could get the job while her husband was sitting in a dark room, losing what little of his mind that he had left. This is the kind of woman she is, naked ambition with no concern for her husband. She's the one who let John Fetterman become the disaster that he is today. She didn't take care of him when she knew he needed help. She used them. She sucked them dry for everything she could take him for. She exploited him completely. She lied about him. Remember, she claimed that his mental issues were the same as having a cell phone with a dim screen. Yeah, she lied about him to help her, to get the Senate seat for her. She knew he wasn't going to serve six years. Her entire career is based on his name, however moronic his name may be. And now she doesn't need him anymore. She's going to grab that Senate seat, and Lurch will never see Giselle again. Maybe at the end of the day, she'll go in into the dark room and pet him on the head. She'll invite photographers into the house, take pictures of her with him. He'll make that fucking ugly scowl. And, and he's sitting in a chair like a sack of shit, unable to move or communicate. She'll use him when she can. Look, man, I'm getting extra. I think I'm going to have a stroke right here on live podcast. This is really annoying me. And look, I'm going to go off uh, script a little bit here, but there are men listening today, and you know what I'm talking about. Any high-profile men out there, you're out there. You're listening. You know what, what I'm talking about. These women, they care about what they can sponge off you, your name, 
They love your name. They love using your name. They don't care about you, just how they can grab the shine from your name. They love that shine, and they could never get that shine on their own. They need you for the shine. And now that they got their meat hooks into you, well, they can try to get some of that shine for themselves. It's always about Giselle. She has to do every interview and pretend she cares about that Frankenstein monster husband of hers. When if she really cared about him, she'd have insisted that he take his meds after the 2017 heart issue was diagnosed. If she really cared about him, she wouldn't have been doing interviews 24-7 over the past few weeks while he was massively depressed. And as I said, she's given interviews about garbage. She would have been by his side 24-7. If she really cared about him, if she really cared about him, she'd never have let him continue to run for senator. Now, every doctor has come out and admitted that Fetterman is permanently brain damaged. All the liberal media admits it. Think about it. The man had a massive stroke. All he should have been doing was recovering. Get another candidate in there quickly. You can get somebody in there. It wasn't like Oz was impossible to beat. She was the one who promised to protect him. She was the one person, the wife, who promised to lay down her life for him. She was the one who was the only person to insist that his health was more important than a fucking Senate seat to allow those disgusting leftist freaks to have a 51, 51st vote, which they didn't even need because Kamala broke the 50-50 tie in the Senate anyway, the vice president. Was it, it that important for him to sacrifice his life for a vote that they really didn't even need? Men, I know you're listening. When you're busting your ass, they're in the kitchen, they're dancing, they're wearing their cowboy hats. They're taking pictures for the gram. They're talking shit about you to their friends. They look at you solely as an ATM. They look at your hard-earned success as their success. Look at Demi Moore this week, for fuck's sake. Her ex-husband, Bruce Willis, she hasn't been with him in 25 years. And it's all about her. This guy's got a, a, a new family. He's got new kids. But Demi Moore is front and center. She's insinuated herself. She's part of the family again. She's posting about him as if it's her family, literally, on her Instagram. Our family wanted to start by expressing our deepest gratitude for the incredible outpouring of love. You know, he's got this uh, new diagnosis. He's got some horrible dementia. And it's all about Demi Moore because no one has seen her in a movie since, what, the 90s? And now it's all about her. Just Google her name. Look, it's all about her. Demi Moore puts on a brave face in celebratory photo after Bruce Willis' health update. Demi Moore parties as ex-Bruce Willis's blended family is closer than ever after dementia diagnosis. Lonely Demi Moore pursuing Tom Cruise. I mean, what the fuck? It's all about her. Demi Moore's voice is what helps Bruce Willis deal with his dementia illness. Demi Moore gets emotional in new IG post about Bruce Willis and his health. It's just about her. She needs the shine. This guy could be dead and in the ground, and she's still going to be tap dancing on his grave to get the shine. This is what they're doing. They look at your hard-earned success as their success. 
They're hoping you die and you leave all the money to them so they can open up some moronic essential oils online venture. What the fuck is essential oils anyway? Does anyone even know? Get rid of them. Torture them as you do. Get done. Watch them slowly vanish without your name, without your dough. Next week, we're going to have an update on the K-Flock case. He's the young rapper accused of murdering a rival gang member in Upper Manhattan in broad daylight a bit over a year ago. He's got a great defense because he was about to be killed. We're going to talk about that case. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, BeyondTheLegalLimit.com. I know this was a tough one to get through. Thanks for tuning.